are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host is Cindy Johnson, Operations Manager of Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Jeremy. This might seem like a strange question, but do you like to swim? (laughs) I actually love to swim. Growing up in the Bay Area of California for the first 11 or so years of my life, I'd be in the pool all summer. Hmm. Personally, I've always enjoyed being around the water. I used to hang out at a local pond as a kid. I still like being in the water, but I can't really say I'm much of a swimmer. My specialty is sinking. Uh, For some reason, I was never very good at staying on top of the water. That's funny. I was taught to float at a really young age and, and find it quite relaxing, actually. Well, our topic today is swimming to raise money and publicity for lighthouses. I've interviewed two people recently who've done just that, and we'll be hearing uh, those interviews with Allison Richardson and Gary Shredzinski shortly. But swimming to or from lighthouses does have some historic precedent. Right. The oldest open water marathon swim in the United States is the 8-mile Boston Light Swim, which has been a tradition since 1907. Participants begin the race in the water at America's oldest light station, Boston Light, on Little Brewster Island in outer Boston Harbor. The course continues through the Harbor Islands until the swimmers come ashore at the L Street Bathhouse in South Boston, home of the world-famous L Street Brownies. In 2019, the swim was on August 17th. More than 20 solo swimmers took part, aged 25 to 67. There were also five relay teams. There's also an eight-mile swim for alligator lighthouse in Florida each year. The swim started when an artist known as Lighthouse Larry decided to swim alone to Alligator Reef Lighthouse and back. His friends thought he was crazy, but he thought that every open water swimmer should have the experience. It's been an annual event since 2013. But today we want to tell you about some New England swimmers who have gone the extra mile to raise funds for lighthouse preservation. First, we want to introduce you to Allison Richardson and Molly Siegel, who have done something amazing for Isle Aho Lighthouse in Maine. Cindy, please help me tell our listeners about Isle Aho. And before you do so, let me just mention that the French pronunciation of the island should be Isle Aho, but everybody there pronounces it Isle Aho. Sure, Jeremy. Isle Ho, nearly seven miles from the mainland in the eastern part of Maine's Penobscot Bay, has a year-round population of about 54 people, swelling to more than 250 people in summer. The island was named by the French explorer Samuel de Champlain, who called it Isle Haute, or High Island, because the highest elevation is 556 feet. There was once a population of about 800 people on the island, including two dozen shipmasters. Much of Isle Ho today is part of Acadia National Park. The lighthouse established on the west side of the island at Robinson Point in 1907 
was the next-to-last traditional-style lighthouse built in the state of Maine. The lighthouse is a brick tower on a granite base with a total height of 40 feet, slightly offshore, and is reached via a wooden walkway. A two-and-a-half-story keeper's house was also built in 1907. After automation, the property, except for the lighthouse tower, was purchased by Charles E. Robinson, a resident of the island. Back in 1906, Robinson had sold the land to the federal government for the establishment of the light station. For the next 50 years, the keeper's house served as a summer home for three generations of the family. Among the family members who spent summers at the house was the author Linda Greenlaw, who wrote about it in her book, The Lobster Chronicles. In 1986, the property, except for the lighthouse, was purchased by Jeff and Judy Burke. The Burks converted the keeper's house into a bed and breakfast inn. After more than 20 years of managing the keeper's house inn, the Burks put the property up for sale. It was sold in 2012 to Dr. Marshall Chapman. As of early 2020, the keeper's house property is again up for sale. Under the Maine Lights program, the lighthouse itself was turned over to the town of Isle of Ho in April 1998. Some restoration of the lighthouse tower was carried out in June 1999, but much more work is needed. The mortar in the granite base is washing out, the cast iron components are corroding, and the girders holding the interior floors are failing and need to be replaced, among other problems. Somewhere in the neighborhood of $500,000 is needed for the repairs. Allison Richardson, a summer resident of Ho, and Molly Siegel, an Island Institute fellow on the island, decided to do something special to help raise funds for the lighthouse. They swam all the way around the island this past summer. The island is 18 miles around, by the way. I recently had the opportunity to speak with Allison Richardson on the phone. Let's listen to that conversation now. I am on the phone with Allison Richardson, who lives on Isla Ho and is a, a member of the town's lighthouse committee. Thanks so much for joining me today, Allison. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you again. Uh, so the reason we're talking today is because of the very unique and exciting uh, fundraising event you did recently. And first of all, I want to congratulate you on the completion of that incredible fundraiser, and I want to congratulate you on the Spirit of Preservation Award you received recently from Maine Preservation. So if we could start by talking a little bit about how you got the idea for the fundraiser. What made you decide to swim around the island of Ilaho? <laughs> Well, I wanted to swim in the ocean. I, you know, it's everywhere around us. We, we're so lucky on Ho to have a freshwater pond, but it's this long, skinny pond, and we've all been there. So I kind of wanted to expand a little bit into uh, the ocean water, and I never thought about swimming around the whole island or anything like that. I, I just kind of wanted to explore in some little coves, and so I went out and got a wetsuit, and I... I tried swimming across Bridges Cove, which is sort of near to where I live, and Molly joined me one day, and it's this tiny little cove, and Molly joined me one day, and being on the Lighthouse Committee, you know, we have this big renovation, and we've been fundraising for years, and I sort of just started thinking, oh, well, what if we did this swim, and if I, you know, personally, I was thinking just for myself, and then I ran the idea by Molly, and she is down for anything. She just said, oh, okay, I'll do that, <laughs> you know, so... 
um, we kind of um, planned a few things out. We tried to map out some things and figure out what our maximum swim time would be and what we felt comfortable with um, as very novice swimmers and started it out. And that was that was pretty much it. Neither of us had really any experience swimming, so it might be a little naive of us for us to do it, but uh, we had such a great time, so it was it was great. And we decided to film it as well, so um, uh -huh. maybe partly to prove to people that we were <laughs> actually in the water, um, but also to um, just sort of make it a little exciting and um, show people the island and spread some awareness. So. Sure. Of course, I, I, we mentioned uh, her in the introduction, but uh, I, I should mention again that you're talking about Molly Siegel, who is a, an Island Institute fellow on the island, and she was your the your, your co-conspirator uh, in this uh, <laughs> fundraiser. So it's the the two of you who did this, uh, and uh, it's just uh, absolutely amazing. So why uh, why do you care so much about the lighthouse? Why do you think it should be preserved? Uh, well, for Idaho, it's really it's such a small island, you know, we only have 50-something people that live there year-round. And so we have, you know, our buildings on the island, our beautiful town hall and our one-room schoolhouse and our um, church. And the lighthouse is sort of just like the cherry on top, really. Um, you know, you can see it from the water. You can see it as you're coming into the harbor. And it's so important to us. It's really the icon of our island. And so... Um, also, myself personally, I started working back when um, the Keeper's House was run as an inn. I started working there when I was 19 oh. um, in my during the summer. So I had like a really strong connection to the lighthouse itself and and um, the owners at the time who cared so much about it and were longtime lighthouse committee president and, and everything. So it's just an important thing for us to keep up. And it's like, I mean, I think it's really one of the most beautiful lighthouses on the coast of Maine. It's, mm -hmm. I, I just love it. And so it's important for us to preserve it, and uh, it definitely needs it right now. So, yeah, I, I didn't realize you had that, that history with it, uh, going back to uh, when the Burks lived there. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I visited there back when they they owned it as well. So uh, you know, it's a it's it's a very very special place. There's no doubt about that. So uh, getting back to the swim, you uh, you did the swim in pieces basically uh, in August and September, about a mile at a time. Is that is that a correct uh, description of how you how you did it? That's right. Yeah, we started just beginning of July, so we actually did it. First. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, beginning of July to beginning of. September and we did do it in legs. We we had mapped out actually a lot more legs. We must have got stronger as we went because we started taking on longer legs as we went around. But we definitely started with just mile long sections. And uh, once we got down, you know, maybe halfway to halfway around, we started doing some longer ones. Mostly just because it's, there were less spots for us to safely get in and out of the water on the south end of the island and um, not as many, you know, chances for us to do that. So we had to do some longer ones. Um, but we felt really comfortable doing those towards the end. We felt pretty good, actually. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. yeah, well, that makes and, and sense. There's no way we could have done it all at once. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, you're doing it all at once? And absolutely yeah. not. But. Yeah, it is 18 miles around. Is that is that right? 18 miles circumference of the island? 
Yeah, we estimated 18 miles. We kind of mapped it out, but we think we actually swam more like 20 by the huh. end of it, just going in and out. And, you know, we, we ended up really having to swim kind of far away from the shore and the rocks so we didn't get, you know, into some turbulent water. So we, we went pretty far out and, you know, I think it was about 20 miles total. Yeah. And what was the water temperature uh, over the summer? I think it was around mid-50s. Somewhere in there. It was pretty mm-hmm. chilly. It, it was kind of interesting, too, as we swam around. There were some spots that definitely felt a lot colder, and and so we're pretty glad we had the the uh, wetsuits. And some people do it without wetsuits. I don't know how they do it. It's amazing. <laughs> but, yeah, it was pretty chilly. Yeah, yeah. Did you have much experience with ocean swimming before you did this? None. Absolutely <laughs> none at all. When I was in high school, you know, years and years and years ago, I was on the swim team, but I really, I really hadn't swam in a long time, um, any sort of distance. And so, and definitely no ocean swimming. So we definitely had some challenges. Um, we finally figured out how to manage the tides and (laughs) things like that. But we, we asked a lot of fishermen and people who spend a lot of time on the water when the best times were to do certain legs that we were coming upon um and so we we got a lot of help from the community and from the fishermen so that was great most of the uh fundraising uh part of your event was done through gofundme is that correct yes that's true we're we're actually speaking today a little bit before thanksgiving on november 25th and the gofundme page is still still up uh i'm not sure how much longer that's going to be the case but first of all have 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 you met your fundraising goals at this point we did yeah we met our fundraising goals um right basically right as we came in at the end of the swim um we had a big party and we got two thousand more dollars at the actual potluck that we had at the end of the swim and and met our goal and we also got some um donations you know, sort of during the time that we were swimming, folks that didn't want to put them um, on GoFundMe. And so right. we ended up with uh, over $33,000 in the end. We had a couple people that made some really generous donations um, to really boost it up. So we felt really good about about that effort. That is fantastic. So the on GoFundMe, I think it's uh, around 16000 but that's only about, represents about half of what you actually raised. Right. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, it was great. That is amazing. But the actual restoration work that's uh, needed for the lighthouse is is more in the neighborhood of something like like five hundred thousand dollars, right? It is. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's um the total is about five hundred thousand. We're doing the restorations in two phases. Mm-hmm. So right now we're doing the fundraising for phase one. Um, which is more of the just maintaining the structure, um, the integrity of the structure. And that is about 265000 We already have, we've been fundraising for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we already have 165 of that. So we're looking for 100000 more. Um, so we're, we're working really hard. Our friends of the Iowa Lighthouse Group is really um, looking for grants and um, things like that this winter. So Yeah. Is there anything scheduled at this point? Any work actually slated for like 2020 or 2021 or anything yet? Yeah, we have uh, we have our engineer and our construction company um, ready to go. We we have to sign the contract, um, but it's 
scheduled for um, the summer of 2020. But of course, you know, we have a lot, a lot to do before that. So mm-hmm. we're, we're feeling really optimistic about it. Wow, that'd be fantastic. Uh, yeah. So if I could ask you a little bit more about yourself, how, how long have you been associated with Ho? Are you f- from that area? Um, I'm from Maine, um, but I grew up summering on Ho. So mm-hmm. my uh, family got a place there um, when I was about six or seven years old. So I've been going there during the summers. And then, you know, like I said, I started working um, during college summers at the lighthouse, at the keeper's house, and then just sort of stayed out there. Um, I've lived out there year-round a few winters, um, but currently I'm just there six months out of the year. Uh-huh. But it's uh, it's a really special place for me, and I I'm I'm a resident there, and um, you know all my closest friends are there, and it's just and and I work there in the summertime. It's just really great. So yeah. um, I try to contribute wherever I can in the community. During your actual swimming, uh, I'd like to know a little bit more about the experience. Were you, uh, what kind of nature did you encounter? Was there uh, wildlife that you encountered along the way? We did. The first day, actually, we saw a lot of jellyfish, which was a common thing that we saw along the way. Yeah. Um, and we had um, boaters with us um, all the time, and they saw seals and porpoises, harbor porpoises nearby. It's really hard for us to see stuff while we're swimming because we're so low to the water, but we definitely saw, like, you know, eagles and, um, you know, tons of birds, and and swimming through some of the shallow areas was really interesting because we saw, you know, it's just so neat to see the places that, underwater, the places that you only see from land, you know, it's like a different world just offshore, you know. So it was really fun swimming through some of the shallower areas. And we found a lot of cool stuff on the east side, like I found some cool bottles and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really, it was really interesting swimming. And it's a really great perspective of the island itself, you know, just from the water, looking back at the island along the shore, I feel like I have a really enhanced understanding of, you know, the water around the island and how it moves. And so it was just kind of an an incredible experience for us. And it was just really beautiful. I'm so happy I've done it. I kind of feel lucky to have done it, you know. Yeah, I I would imagine so. It it just occurred to me, are are you and Molly thinking of putting together any sort of uh, lecture or presentation uh, about the, the whole experience? I don't, I'm not sure. Um, we, we definitely put a bunch of videos together that um, you can watch on YouTube. So for each leg that we did, we made a video and I, uh, we had a GoPro. So you, we did some underwater stuff. So people were watching that, you know, people in the town and um, all the new donors that we got hopefully saw the videos. And we thought about maybe compiling our favorite parts and putting them into one sort of film all together we actually have a film festival that benefits the lighthouse every other year. And so we thought, Oh, maybe we'll put one together for that. Mm. And it at the film yeah. festival. But um, definitely it's out there already. So people can watch anytime. And, um, right. and people in the town themselves were, you know, always asking us where we were on the swim and how we were doing. And, you know, they'd come out and see us as we swam by. So I think that they've, They've uh, been right along with us the whole way. 
Yeah. So even uh, aside from the, uh, the the donations, the fundraising part of it, you had a lot of support from the the people on the island. Oh, my, so much support! It was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was it was great. Yeah, like there was a a couple that every time we swam, they would always invite us over to their house and make us like pancakes and waffles and stuff. And you know, everyone was coming up to us and just saying, you know, how happy they were we were doing it. And and then we had this huge party at the end. And, you know, we had about 90 people at this potluck and they all were out on the rocks and we had, you know, at the lighthouse and had this great potluck party. It was really fun. So everyone, everyone had a great time, not just us. And we had so many people, you know, support boaters with us. So we, it wasn't just me and Molly at any given point. It was, you know, us plus two other people, if not more than that. So it was kind of like a party on the water. We all had a great time. So. <laughs> So how can people donate if uh, people would still like to donate to the cause? And obviously, there's still more money to be raised for the uh, restoration of the lighthouse. How can people donate at this point? Absolutely. Yeah, there's, so there's the GoFundMe page, um, which, you know, we might have up for a few more months, but um, you can always donate at the Ilaho Lighthouse website, which is ilaholighthouse.org. Uh, there's a donate button there. You can do it by PayPal or um, by just credit card. Or you can just send a donation to the Friends of Ilaho Lighthouse, which is uh, P.O. Box 41, Ilaho uh, 04645. So there's a, multiple ways to do it. Um, but the easiest way is just to visit our website there. And I know with any with any lighthouse, with any cause like this, of course, every dollar helps. So people shouldn't feel that any donation is too too small. You know, whether it's uh, five dollars or ten dollars or uh, whatever they can afford to donate, it all it all adds up. It all really helps. So uh, it's great. Yeah, anything yeah. helps. We actually had mm-hmm. a. Uh, the grandson of the um, previous owners had a lemonade stand out in front of the house and rate all the money from his lemonade stand went to the lighthouse, which was really sweet. And, uh, and you know, so that's, it's all so meaningful to, to the lighthouse and to everybody that cares about it. So oh, that kind of stuff is, is inspiring. And, and speaking of inspiring, you know, you and, and Molly are, are an inspiration. And uh, I just want to thank you again and congratulate you on completing uh, just a, a really incredible fundraiser. And it's just, you know, it's not just that it's inspiring to complete uh, what you did, but it's it, the, the creativity involved in it, I think, is an inspiration. And people need to uh, be creative to get, get attention, basically, for, for something like this. So I, I salute you for your creativity and for your your uh, kind of uh, just your your energy and uh, everything just everything you've done is just uh, just so great so uh, thank you so much well, thank you so much and uh, I look forward to watching the restoration of the Ilaho lighthouse and I look forward to getting back out there and seeing the uh, restored lighthouse uh, when it's all done thank you so much absolutely Allison. thank you so much Next, I want to introduce you to my good friend, Gary Shrijinsky. First, a little background on Gary. Gary Shrijinsky, in addition to being an amazing swimmer, is an accomplished musician and composer who has been playing the piano accordion for more than 40 years. In 2000, Gary represented New Hampshire at the Kennedy Center Millennium Stage. 
Gary has hosted a 1950s-style ethnic radio show weekly on WUNH-FM in Durham, New Hampshire since 1986. In addition to performing as a solo artist, Gary performs his musically diverse compositions with the Portsmouth, New Hampshire-based group The Surfs, and his work has been heard in a number of movies and TV programs. Always an avid swimmer, Gary started experimenting with special gear so that he could swim in winter, and eventually he was able to swim 12 months of the year. In January 2008, he swam about six miles from Odeorn Point in Rye, New Hampshire, to the island group known as the Isles of Shoals, raising $17,000 for the Kremples Brain Injury Foundation and Stepping Stones of Portsmouth. He was the first human to swim to the Isles of Shoals in winter. Since then, he has completed several more winter swims for various charities, raising more than $80,000, including three swims to raise funds for lighthouse preservation. His first swim for lighthouses was in February 2011, and it raised more than $9,000 for Whaleback Lighthouse in Kittery, Maine. Thank you, Gary. Yeah. I had the good fortune to be in a support boat alongside Gary as he successfully completed his four-mile, two-and-a-half-hour swim for the lights. I've never witnessed a display of willpower and athleticism to compare to what Gary accomplished on that day. The conditions seemed favorable near Odeon Point and Rye, slightly before 1.30 p.m., when Gary entered the frigid water at the mouth of the Piscataqua River and began his swim. The air temperature was about 27 degrees Fahrenheit, and the water was about 38 degrees Fahrenheit. Ooh. The Piscataqua, incidentally, is said to be the second fastest flowing navigable river in the United States. The swim was timed to start an hour after low tide, at a time when the current was expected to be a relatively minor factor. The Piscataqua, however, is anything but predictable. That's for sure. I recently had a chance to sit down and talk with Gary about his lighthouse swims. Rather than listen to us talk about them, let's listen to my conversation with Gary Shridzinski now. I am in Kittery, Maine, at the home of Gary Shridzinski. Gary, thanks so much for inviting me to your home today. Jeremy, good to, to see you here. again. It's been a while. It has. It's been too long. Gary, we've got a lot of ground I want to cover today. Oh, I but... bet. So let's start more or less at the, the beginning, if we could. How long have you been an avid swimmer? Musician? Jeremy, I actually disliked swimming um, at Did the you? beginning because when I grew up in Connecticut, I was captain of a high school swim team. Uh-huh. And I actually hated it. I hated the gun going off and swimming 25 yards back and forth every day. And it wasn't for me. But when I moved here, to, I went to UNH. I started in 1980 for forestry school. I discovered the New Hampshire, Maine seacoast in northern Massachusetts. has beautiful estuaries, incredible, incredible rivers. And I became best friends with the Lamprey River. That's where it all started. But one autumn rain and in my season. And so that's where the experiment began. Probably 20 years ago, I was experimenting with gear. Gear, us wetsuit gear wasn't tops back then. It evolved really over the last 20 years and it's really enabled me to be a winter wild swimmer. So it took you a while to find the, the right clothing. Yeah, so for- initially I bought a, a scuba suit, you know, and I went into the lamprey and it was a cold October day and it made me sick because 
I, that was the beginning experiment. You, you learn that wetsuits have to fit you properly. But also scuba, scuba gear was, is very stiff. It's not very mobile. Right. And uh, all the water rushed in. And, and your body has to heat that water up. But I, um, I have a friend who's a surfer. And he said, like 20 years ago, he goes, Gary, they have a new suit out for surfers, for winter surfing. It's incredible. So I tried it out. And I said, wow, it is so flexible and warm. But it's not warm enough. So I started experimenting with gear, combining scuba gear with surfing gear. And it took a while and to find out what works. And I got so good at the experiment that I was continuing through November, December, January. But the problem was uh, I was causing trouble with the town and people stopping on bridges. They were calling the police. What's a guy doing <laughs> in the water in January? Is it a rogue seal? Is it a, is it a new terrorist coming form of terrorism? So that's when I decided to start doing it for charity back in 2007, 2008. And your first charity swim was in 2008 for the Kremples uh, Brain Injury Foundation Correct, and Jeremy, Stepping yes. Stones of Portsmouth? Yes. So as a musician, Jeremy, I would go there quite often, probably once a month, and play for the members. It was yeah. a place where people who had strokes, brain injury, they get together and they work hard to, to get their lives back together physically. And yeah. I fell in love with these people. And they were so nice and warm, and but they were really scraping for money back then. And I said, right. guys, let me swim for you. And I, I'll swim to the Isle of Shoals for you. And, you know, I've never done it. And let's just do it. And But I said, but let's do it in January. That's what I was doing my winter swimming. And no lie, Jeremy, everybody, even my close friends, were stopped talking to me. Like, you know, they, they came, they looked away, they didn't look at me in the eye. And you can tell when you talk to somebody, you can perceive that they think you're nuts. So that day came in January. I had two boats escorts i had a coast guard permit they held up a tanker i can't even imagine what those guys in that tanker thought but they made them stop but no money came in at all because everybody just thought i was a pure whack job you know who would who, who would go in january well i finally did it they made it a little tough on me because they made me swim in a straight line you're supposed to go with the current it took me four and a half hours shouldn't have taken that long but afterward they made seventeen thousand dollars from that swim and the boat crew said hey that was fun let's do it again mm -hmm. and and i've been trying to do it every year i think i only missed one season but it's i, I got tw I'm 12 and i believe geez i even lost count but i love I've, it yeah i i've spoken to the crumples uh brain injury foundation oh you have dave and mary or yeah great great people they great are people. really great so, people you were actually the first person to swim to the Isle of Shoals in winter, right? <laughs> you know, it's so whacked out that you tell people and they don't even get it. They just like, it blows by them and you know, and it's like, uh, well, I was always, I was working really hard practicing for that and uh, I got my gear ready. The day came and uh, Dave Kremples was on the dock and um, you go into a trance, it's such a, it's such a far way. I remember seeing the seal, and I remember seeing fish scales. <laughs> and um, But there's there's a strong river off that island a mile or so off, like a current north and south. And and I made such good time getting there. But once I reached that, I was going nowhere. Because <laughs> they were having me aim for the tower on the island. And it would have been easier if I just went with it. But I made it, and... Uh, uh I don't, I don't, you saw the video, right? There's a video of it. And, uh, 
It's been a while, but I did see It's that. been a while. It's been 12 years. And uh, I, I've studied it and wrote about it. I write a swim diary, and hopefully I'll write about this sport that no one wants to pursue someday. Yeah. You, know, but yeah, you that, should write a book, really. Yeah, and, but and again, I said to myself, who's going to buy it? You <laughs> know? And if I develop the gear, who's going to take it up? I mean, it's just the thought of it turns somebody off. Just yeah. to go swim, you know? I mean, they can't even step outside their door. Never, You know, it's just... Yeah. The human mind can't really wrap itself around it. And I'm right. just saying, you're not going to... I write to the wetsuit companies. I go, could you please do this? Don't make the cuff this way. And nobody even responds to right. me. Right. You are your own species, basically. I'm my own species. And even when I contact the wetsuit, I tell the scuba guys, please tell them this and that. And nobody listens to me. And I feel like... I was traveling from some galaxy to another galaxy. I ran out of gas and landed here because <laughs> I can't, I, I mean, nobody, I mean, if, I said, maybe I can start a new sport, but no, nobody's going to do it. <laughs> nobody's going to write about it. Who really honestly wants to read about it? So I don't know what to tell you, Jeremy. I think there are people who'd want to read about it, but I, I understand what you're saying. It's, it's a hard like, sell. Yeah. It's actually like my... My full-time job is an accordionist. Come on, give me a break. It's the world's most hated instrument. <laughs> and to be a full-time accordion player for 30 years this year, I yeah. paid all my bills but, with my accordion this year. Yeah, but you are an ambassador for that for that brand of music. I guess, for, for the instrument, yeah. And it's, and it's boy, you've, it's really, the industry is crashed. Yeah, but you've made a lot of converts for it. But you see, everything, but the thing is, Jeremy, I'm not trying to be different. I'm not trying to get attention. Oh, I know. And, and the thing is, I swim because I admit I suffered depression my whole life. And and I've tried medication and it made me worse. And the only thing that really cures me and maintains me is swimming. It's medicine for me. It's, it's all the way around, physically, mentally, spiritually. It does wonders for me. And so that's why I do it for charity. I go, Let's, what a great ingredient. If I can have fun and then make money for somebody at the same time, what a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about your first lighthouse swim in February 2011. You swam about four miles for, uh, I think it was a little more than four miles, for Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses, a chapter of the wow. American Lighthouse yeah. Foundation. It raised about $10,000. Uh, the air temperature was 27. The water temperature was about 38. You swam from... That's warm. Yeah. 38 is warm, Jeremy. Okay. You swam... It was. It wasn't a bad day, really, weather-wise that day, but the, the water was quite cold. You swam from Odeorn Point in Rye, New Hampshire, to uh, Whaleback Lighthouse yeah. in Kittery at the mouth of the Piscataqua River. You swam from there to Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse in Newcastle, New Hampshire, uh, then back across the Piscataqua River to Pepperell Cove in Kittery. Right. And I was near you the whole time in a support boat. And it's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. And I am not exaggerating. It may be the most amazing thing I've watched up close in my entire life. What was the hardest part of that swim? Oh, boy, Jeremy. First off, I, that is the swim I think about the most. Absolutely. Hands down, probably the hardest swim I will ever undertake in my life. And right now, I'd like to offer to do it for Whaleback if it comes... Just from Ordeon Point to Whaleback. So if mm -hmm. you want me in the future for charity, I will do that again. And that was the hardest part of the swim. That was the hardest part of the swim. And in itself, that should be a swim in itself. Mm -hmm. That was a stretch uh, from, from Rye to Whaleback. We timed it out that I was going to 
swim on an incoming tide. And I believe it was probably, you know, uh, maybe two hours before, three hours before high tide that day. I can't remember, but we were planning it that I was going to get pushed inland. Well, I got news for you. The Pis Piscataqua or Piscataqua is the second fastest flowing navigable, navigable river in the country, third in the world. And even though that tide is coming in, that river is still going out. Yes. And when I went out there, I could feel that river is going out. And I remember just going and going and going and looking at Grandma Whaleback. <laughs> she was like a grandmother. Come on, Gary. Come on, Gary. And I, and I, you know, and you swim. What you do is you swim and you work. You're going to work. You're in a cubicle. That's the way I see it. I'm gone. I'm at work. I'm in a cubicle. I'm not overexerting myself. I'm not going to under. You you do it to preserve your energy and fuel. You're timing it out, and I and I always take a peek up as you see the progress you made. And I remember picking my head up, and man, I wasn't going anywhere. I even, know. I even know. Even at the proper time. I know. I wasn't going anywhere, and I remember you guys in that small Boston whaler. And it's like, wow, you guys were crammed in there. <laughs> like, it was almost like, so I remember finally getting there. And I remember, I do recall trying to time out the wave properly to land on the boulder. It's all boulders. And I recall trying, I said, you're going to have to time this out to ride that wave in, but also time it out that you, you don't get smash your ribs and arms getting thrown into the rocks because you could easily do that if you didn't time it out right. Luckily I did. I remember I remember the feeling of hitting that boulder and grabbing it. And I remember I was so exhausted. So exhausted. I'm not kidding, Jeremy. I tell everybody to this day, I think uh, I, that was the closest I came to death in my life. No lie. I honestly feel that. And because I felt like my heart said I give up. I, I can see it. So I remember standing up, and it's not easy to walk there because there's there's so many boulders. So it was like a rock climbing after that. And uh, so I yeah. said, "Man, you can't stand up. You got to get horizontal. Your heart's not digging this." I felt like it, it was going to be bad. So I remember laying down. I remember crawling because horse, my body and heart were used to that. I tell everybody today that was the closest I came to my heart saying, see you later, Gary. It just, it was really taxed. Now, I finally made it to the other side of whale back on the boulders. I'll never forget. It was almost like a half vision dream. You know, you're so exhausted. Your mind is, is off in its own world. I remember that uh, stretch between whale back and... Um, Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse, I saw a green, beautiful, grassy field. Ooh. I saw those two lighthouses on a slope on a hill with a beautiful, grassy field in between. Wow. And I was like, this is so wonderful. But before I talk about that, I, I failed to mention the feeling and aura that Whaleback gave me that day. She f felt so alive to me like a living being i've never had an experience where i felt like a physical structure had some type of soul or spirit but boy she was alive and she was a an elderly woman whale back but yet 
not elderly in the sense of arthritis. Or she was very bold, very strong, very wise. And mm -hmm. she was warm. That feeling. I've been by that lighthouse a million times in a boat. You cannot compare that with being in the water. There, there, it's, you, you can take your boat, go up the whale back all you want. It's a different feeling when you're in the water. It's completely, it looks different even. It's just, it's, it's a different world. And she felt alive. And she was saying, come on, come on to me, come to me. It was a warm, loving feeling. And that's when I really, truly fell in love with that lighthouse. And to this day, that structure is my all-time, hands down, favorite structure. And, and I will do I will gladly swim again for, for whaleback. I tell people how that poor lighthouse need is so neglected and needs love and care. So anyhow, um, leaving whaleback, you know, um, I remember crawling to the boulder and then I, as I started, it was that it was like a beautiful sunny sun. Your mind does crazy things. It's like it was a beautiful, warm, sunny day. And the grass was tall in the field between those two lighthouses. And then the grass was blowing like with the current. It was my mind doing that because of the pain, I think. But I do remember seeing a giant clay pipe down there uh, just outside a whale back. And it was down there. And I wasn't going to dive because you had the Coast Guard. You had boat. You know, I w it was a wrong time to go dive for a, a pipe. <laughs> so um, yeah, we would have been quite frightened if you disappeared. Exactly. And it's a not a good minutes. time. But you know what's surprising though, I did see eel, eelgrass between those two lighthouses and it was really shallow in one spot. I was really surprised. It was like, I found a shallow area and I did see eelgrass. And um, yeah, I remember the crowd at Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse and uh, I vaguely now, I have no recollection of getting to the wharf. Most well, of all, Jeremy, despite what you made that night, I want to thank you and friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses for that swim because, honestly, that was an experience of a lifetime. I don't care where you go in this world. That swim was an experience of a lifetime. And if I live to a ripe old age, I'm very grateful to you guys for that gift of being able to stand on the shore and saying, I did that. And I, I stand in Kittery at the town wharf and I said, I can't freaking believe I did that. Are you kidding me? It looks so different from land than what it is. And I, I stare, I can't believe this. Yeah. Well, so thanks for that opportunity. Oh, you're, you, you are honest, so welcome. And the thing is, Jeremy, I, I'll never be able to do it because you have to have permission. That's a commercial area. Right. It's oh, commercial yeah, shipping. Yeah. I can't do that on my own. Yeah. No, we and, had to get permission from the Coast and, Guard. And, and personally, thank you. My life is richer because of it. Well, thank you. My life is richer because of that as well. <laughs> Uh, you put on an amazing show that day. You really did. And you know, at the end of the swim, when you we when you and we arrived at the uh, the town wharf in Kittery at Pepperell Cove, there you put on a creature from the Black Lagoon. That's mask. right. I do remember that now. Okay. Yeah, that's my trademark. And there was a big crowd waiting for you, cheering you on. Yeah, it there was when nice. You arrived with the really mask nice. and everything, and. That is one of the great things about everything you do. You're a born showman, and you put on an amazing yeah, I, show that day. It's, it, yeah, it's, I guess you're right, because it's all about the show. I do a radio show, and I play out. It's, mm -hmm. it's all about the show. I have to admit, though, Jeremy, with swimming, it's, it's not about the show. And the, the, um, the charity swims are hard for me because there's people there. See, this is a lifestyle. It's not even people go, how's the training going? 
well, you know, I really don't train because when you swim all year round, it's it's like you're going for a walk and you don't really want to do anything different. You don't want to you don't want to eat differently. You don't want to overeat and thinking because you have an event. That's the hard time I have, and I mm-hmm. I wreak havoc on my intestines because of that. But right, but I love it. Well, it was truly amazing. That same year in December 2011, you did a 3.3-mile swim across Rockland Harbor in Maine. Yes. For the Friends of Rockland Harbor Fun Lights. Fun memories there, too. Another Jeremy. chapter of the American Lighthouse yeah. Foundation. You swam between the lighthouses at Owl's Head and Rockland Breakwater. It turned out to be a much more difficult swim than any we of us We got the tides expected. wrong. Yeah. We got the tides wrong. I That's think all, all of us figured out the tides and currents wrong. It <laughs> took more than three and a half hours. But, Jeremy, once again, rich experience. And I want to... Th- Thank you, especially for this swim, because I still to this day talk about that. I go to that video, loons, loons. First off, I was really shocked on how shallow that harbor is in some spots, and how how beautiful it is the sun was shining through the water. But the most thing that amazed me the most about that swim, and what a gift to me that was, because here in Kittery. I swim with loons in the winter. Loons live in lakes inland in the summer, but they migrate to the seacoast in the winter, and their plumage is different. And there's a loon here, and several, and, and they wait for me outside in the Gulf, and they swim up with me to Route 1 and back. As long as you don't say anything. If you say anything, make anything different, they're going to take off. But you do your normal routine. They'll even come up to your face and scare the daylights out of you to look at you. So they're very odd, and that's how they got their name Loon, and they're very odd creatures. So, you know, that's a special treat about winter swimming. So I never, Jeremy, been to Rockland, Maine in my life. Never even been there. You took me to that hotel. It was dark when we got there or whatever, and I had no clue what was ahead of me. We got to that beach that morning, and I'll never... Guess what? There was a loon waiting for me. And... And that was a very large loon. And that bird swam with me from Owl's Head to Rockland Breakwater. And you have it on video. And I even posted it on my Facebook page. I cut out that clip and I go, you know, that was amazing to me. That guy, never been there, and he was waiting for me, and he swam the two miles with me. That is a gift, Jeremy. Unbelievable. That was so special to me. Yeah. That was so special well, to me. And then seeing him there, and I think we lost touch of him after from there on in. But, uh, uh, yeah, it was tough. It, it, it was so tough. I remember being in so much pain because we were, we went against the tide. It was going against the tide that last stretch. I was hallucinating uh, Edith Piaf's La Vie en Rose, the song. <laughs> and I heard each note so vividly. Mm-hmm. And her voice, it's amazing how your brain is your best iPod. And it, it was going over in a loop. And it was fine, but I, I got there and it was fun. Yeah, well, if you're going to hallucinate, you might as well hear one of the greatest songs. Of yeah, it was great. <laughs> but it, it's amazing what your brain does. The detail, I remember the vivid detail of you know hearing her sing. And it's like, because it's your your your. Your body has to cope with that pain. and uh, Well, we all felt bad that we miscalculated, but it was another phenomenon. But you know, day. Jeremy, this, is, this happens here to me anyhow all the time. Like last Saturday swim, I had a crawl for a half mile. The tide was wrong. And, uh, and I've been up to Brayboat Harbor 
three, four miles from home having to crawl in the mud because I won't get out because it's against the law. It's Rachel Carson Preservation Land. You're not supposed to be walking there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've been very muddy. So it's no big deal. Yeah. I purposely swim in blizzards to train. If there's a blizzard, I plan to swim that day. It's fun. Yeah, it's amazing because it's, it's chaos. Uh-huh. You put your head in there, peace. Peace. Chaos, peace. <laughs> And you did another swim in December 2013 for Whaleback Lighthouse. I, Do you really I, want to talk about well, that on this podcast? Well, you and I talked about this, whether or not we should bring this up. Actually, I, Jeremy, it's a text, to me, you know, it's a textbook swim in regards to having a checklist and things lined up. And I knew things that were unexpected that, that can't be overlooked in the future. It was a big lesson for, for me all the way around. It really was. Definitely some aspects of that that swim for Whaleback that day were messed up. It started late because the support boat arrived late. Nothing seemed to go the way it was supposed to that day. It went well after dark. Well after dark. Yeah. And um, I I do remember you guys shining a light on me because that big ship went right in front of me. I remember a big fishing boat going right in front of me. It's like, like, whoa, dude. And I said, those guys must be panicking. Yeah. And he probably, I remember seeing flashlights on me or something like that. And, uh, the whole thing was just from, yeah. But you know, again, thank you because I never saw the inside of Whaleback. I went inside Whaleback and like, wow, I was really blown away by the wood carving of, of that floor. But you know, when I went up there, on the top of there, I was extra heavy because I have water in my wetsuit. And I remember standing on that board. I go, holy shit, dude, you better not stand there. Because <laughs> I, was, I was probably 40, 50 pounds extra Yeah, heavy. there's one floor that's kind of soft up yeah. there. Yeah, and I stood. I go, it was bone. I go, holy shit, man. <laughs> and I remember going down there. and, and But th- I was blown away by the woodwork on the yeah, top. Yeah, yeah. Again, thank you because that was quite an opportunity. Today, of course, we're concentrating on your swimming rather than your music, but I want to mention you recorded an album called Old World Accordions in 2012 inside Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse. And you know, Jeremy, my favorite CD, and everybody says that's the best one I put out. It's my sixth CD, Mm -hmm. and by far, it's the best. Can people still get that CD? Uh, Absolutely, yes. Is that available through your website? Through my website, yes. Which is? Gary Shred, G-A-R-Y-S-R-E-D.com. That was that was amazing. The, the acoustics inside the lighthouse are, are oh, wonderful. Jeremy, by far. I, I, I didn't realize. I was, first I go, this isn't, who wants to hear a solo accordion? But you know something? It inspired me. I'm going to do it again. And boy, I'd do it again in a flash for you guys. I, it, what, a, what a great time that was. We'll have to do an album inside Whaleback sometime. Love that. Uh, so you've been doing your radio show Polka Party for, what, 30 33 years? 33 years this year. 33 years. How can people hear the radio show? They can hear if they're driving around. They can tune into the University of New Hampshire's radio station, WUNH 91.3 FM, 9 to 11 on Saturdays. If you're outside our 70-mile radius, you can go online at wunh.org. And the shows are archived. The last two weeks are archived. So you can listen day or night. And I should mention that people can also see videos of the Lighthouse Swims that you did. A couple of videos that on I YouTube. made. On YouTube, yeah. Yeah, on and YouTube. And you can type in, type in Creek Man or Gary Shurjanski. And see a whole bunch it. of videos of you. 
Gary, as always, it's a real pleasure. And this- Jeremy, I want to thank you for uh, becoming your friend is one thing, but we've had a good, close working relationship together for some time, and, and I hope we can keep it going. I'm sure we will. It's, it is a true, sincere pleasure. Thank you so much for having me at your home today. Thank you, Jeremy. And I will see you on your next swim, and I'm sure we'll see each other at all kinds of events. Uh, thank you so much, Gary. Thank you, Jeremy. One, two. One, two and a half. Many thanks to our guests in today's episode of Lighthearted, Allison Richardson and Gary Shrajinsky. The things they've accomplished are an inspiration, not just because what they do is physically impressive, which it is, but because of the creativity behind what they've done. There are many different ways to raise money for lighthouses. Anything that raises money and gets attention is a good thing, especially if it also inspires people. You can learn more about Gary Shredzinski online at garyshred.com. That's G-A-R-Y-S-R-E-D.com. And you can learn more about the Friends of Isla Ho Lighthouse at ilahoelighthouse.org, I-S-L-E-A-U-H-A-U-T, lighthouse.org. Thank you to everyone with the U.S. Lighthouse Society and everyone everywhere who works for lighthouse preservation and the preservation of maritime history. Check out the U.S. Lighthouse Society online at uslhs.org. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider supporting it by making a donation or by becoming a member. As always, thanks so much for listening and keep a good light. Keep a good light.